0: Hello and welcome to the podcast, Are We Nearly There Yet? My name's Professor Andrew Sherry, and I'm interested in people's journeys to discover who they are and what they're made to do. We can all learn something from other people's stories, so join me on another adventure.
1: So it's always looking at how much more uh, knowledge, experience that you can gain, which allows you choices in life.
0: Today, I'm talking to Colin Bailey, who is president and principal of Queen Mary University of London. Welcome, Colin. Thanks for joining me. Thank you, Andrew. Great to see you. So, Colin, you grew up in Hillingdon. Tell us a little bit about what you were like at school and what you enjoyed and stuff.
1: So I went to a school called Abbotsfield Boys School, Comprehensive. It was the local comprehensive. Quite a tough school. A good day was that you didn't get into a fight. I wasn't really interested in school at the time. Uh, Right up to the age of 16, I was really only interested in two things. One was playing football and the other was chasing girls. And playing football, I was quite good at playing football. Uh, I had a bit of a spell with QPR youth team and Jules Graham was our manager. Uh, We played at Loftus Road and that was on the artificial pitch. It was the first artificial pitch for a premiership or first division team. Um, And uh, I used to play, out a short spell, as I say, for QPI youth team. was not good enough, uh, so they did let me go in the end. Uh, But as I say, I was good at football, absolutely rubbish at chasing girls, absolutely rubbish. But they were the only two things that I was interested in. I was just not interested in school at all. Um, And in the end, I left school at 16. I remember thinking about whether I should stay on into the sixth form, didn't understand anything about university. No one in my family, none of my friends were going to university. I remember having a conversation with the headmaster saying, I'm thinking about leaving school and finding a job. And he said, I think that's a wise choice.
0: So how did the apprenticeship arise
1: So I saw this job advertised for Lovell Construction, and they were looking for a draftsman. It was a so-called apprenticeship because, and thank goodness now looking back, they allowed me to go to day to do an ONC, which was at Slough College. Lovell Construction was interesting. My salary for the year was Um, £1,800. So again, you can see a bit about my age as well. But really, it it wasn't that great, if I'm honest. I was a gopher. So um, even though they tried to wrap it up as an apprenticeship, I was really just running around doing things for everyone else, making the tea. And as one person said to me at the time, they said, you know, why have a dog and bark yourself? So I was treated very much as, as I say, as a gopher. Um, But I tried to learn as much as I could during that period. At the end of the two years, because I finished my ONC, C, there was then the opportunity to think, well, okay, let's have a look around to see what other jobs were available. And I managed to secure a job up in South Kensington uh, for a company called Cameron Taylor Partners. And that was much more training, especially on the sort of the, the, the technical drawing side. Uh, so I became a proper draftsman and there in structural engineering, you were doing what we class as reinforced concrete drawings, general arrangements, etc. And actually, I was quite good at it. They didn't want me to go to college, but I did ask them whether I could carry on my day release. Uh, and luckily, I went to Twickenham to do my HNC, which was very
0: Yeah. So it sounds like that sort of transition from school, which was all about football and girls into the world of work. Your perspective changed somewhat, I guess, and you were able to see that education, working hard would make a difference for your future. Is that right? Did you get more commitment to that? It is. I didn't even
1: perhaps appreciate it at the time. And as I went through my career, I appreciated it more.
0: So tell us what what sort of happened next and what your your motivation was for your next step.
1: At Cameron Taylor Partners, And two years, um, I was coming to the end of my HNC. And I was a good draftsman. So I was in demand in the company. People wanted me to work in their teams. Um, But I was actually looking to see where I could leave home, uh, rent a flat at the time. And the salary just was not, not high enough uh, to allow me to do that. And every year we went through a pay review. And this is with the owner of the company. So there were two owners. Um, and every year we got called in and we did an appraisal. So the appraisal seemed to go quite well. Uh, and this is on the second year. And I was then just saying, well, they offered me a bit more money. And I was saying, oh, I was hoping for a little bit more because I, I, I want to leave home. And, I, I, you know, I want to be able to rent somewhere in London. And they turned around, and I think it was a slip of the tongue at the time, but the, the owner turned around and says, well, we pay you enough considering the type of background you come from. And this really just took me back. I thought, oh, where's that come from? And I was really quite upset about it, and I asked him what they, they meant. And they said, well, you know, your, your background, your, your family background. And I thought, well, that's not appropriate. You know, either I'm good at the job or I'm not good at the job. Well, this was on a Friday and, and the the meeting came to, to an end and over the weekend I thought about it and I thought, well, no, actually, I don't want to carry on working for, for people like this anymore, um, so I went in over the, the weekend to copy all my drawings, so again, knowing my age, this was before computers, so you were basically doing your drawings on what we classed as a, a big bit of tracing paper, if you like. And so you had your own pens that no one could borrow, by the way, because these were your tools of the trade. And you used to do all these drawings. And of course, when you copy them, you put them through this big printer, ammonia machine. So I went in and, and just printed them off. Um, and then I went in Monday and I went to the owners and I said, um, I wasn't happy with what they said. And uh, they said, well, what's the problem with you? The the person who was in before you, his father was a milkman. And I thought, no, I just don't want to work for for you anymore. Um, Admittedly, this was at the end of the 80s. And there was a lot of work around in London at the time, a lot of building work. So I did actually say to him, I'm going to leave. um, And I'm going to leave now, basically, um, because I was really upset. And it was really tough because I couldn't talk to my parents about it because they would have been upset about it. And uh, so I did leave. And actually, there was so much work about And I walked into another job with a 50% pay increase. So again, that just sort of shows that sometimes, you know, you've got to stay true to your principles. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's you working for a company. And if you're not happy with working for that company, if the ethos and the culture of that company is not right, then there's no reason why you can't, can't leave. So I went to go work in Hammersmith for a company called Clark Nichols and Marcel. Um, and this was a great, cause of course I finished my ONC, my HMC. I could design buildings, but I could design buildings following the code of practice. So following the standards that were there. So basically, you know, uh, stepping through the guidance, I could design any building. And actually I became a designer and, draftsman actually worked for me in my team, and they loved it because of course I was giving them uh, the work the way that I would have liked it as a draftsman as well, you know, uh, and you basically come up the ranks. And I was designing a, a number of buildings in, in London, and um, you know, there was one in in the in the city of London, and it was actually hit by a, a terrorist bomb. Um, it performed very well actually so I must have designed it okay <laughs> so yeah that was that was that was very good I was earning a lot of money my parents were really proud of me because you know you were earning earning that sort of money but the comment about my type of background really did stick in my in, in my mind you know what was all that about so, you know I didn't I didn't I just couldn't sort of Appreciate that. And um, so with Clark Nichols and Marcel, you know, I carried on. But what I was also seeing is that I was starting to train some of the graduates that were coming through. And you could see that these graduates were then progressing through the company. Uh, and you could see that, you know, my my route, if you like, was a little bit held back, a little bit blocked. And I also found that out when I went through a number of interviews before I went into Clark Nichols and Marcel um, when I finished with Cameron Taylor. So I thought, well, you know, what's, what's all this university business about then? What's all this, um, this, this um, getting a degree? And looking at the, the, some of the graduates coming through, I thought, well, you know, perhaps I could do that. But I was just so naive, absolutely so naive. You know, I knew nothing about universities. I didn't know how to apply. I didn't know where to apply to. Uh, none of my friends have gone to university obviously as I said my parents or any of my family didn't know anything about university but anyway I managed to find a way through it and I applied um, and actually I ended up uh, accepting a position at um, Sheffield University and Sheffield were really quite open um, and we we talk about it now of this widened participation because I hadn't come through the normal routes of doing A-Levels you know it was a ONC, HNC, but I had that experience. So I then had to sort of say to my, my mates and uh and to my my parents that I'm going to university. I have decided that I'm going to give up the job and go to university. My parents could not understand it at all. Just thought, you know, why are you going back to school? You've got such a great job. Why on earth are you are you going back to, to university? So that was hard uh, to, to to explain. And also with my, my, my mates um, that, you know, come from school and from football and all the friends that I got, hardly, well, I don't think any of them went to university, they didn't. And they just laughed. They just thought I was, you know, why on earth are you going back to school? So it was really looking back at it, a really, really brave decision. But I was in that position where I felt that there was more to, to you know I needed to explore more and if you know, looking back at it, working with Cameron Taylor partners and the owners there said that didn't say what they said about considering your type of background I don't think I would have ever gone to university so even though I think it was an outrageous comment actually it did help me um, and push me into that direction of, of exploring and then finally going to university. It was interesting then because of course I went to Sheffield and um, I was at Sheffield for three years. Um, so we did a, a, a bachelor's, uh, bachelor's degree. And uh, the first year the market was, was still buoyant. Um, so I managed to get a summer job back in Clark, Nichols and Marcel. Paid very well and that was very, very helpful. Um, but in the second year, the the uh, building industry just collapsed, so there was no jobs at all. So you were really struggling in my second year during the summer period. At the end of the uh, at the end of the degree, I only got offered one job. I went for loads of interviews, but I only got offered one job. And the issue, of course, is that the um, job I got offered, which was from Travis Morgan, was on less money than I had left three years earlier. So I was in a real difficult position now because how could I go to my parents and say, I've got a job, but it's on less money than I was on three years earlier. You know, this school business was a bit of a waste of time, wasn't it? How could I face my mates as well? You know, it was was basically a failure, it seemed, and I was really struggling, thinking, my goodness, what am I going to do? And uh, the thing was that I actually came top in the year. Uh, And it was on the last day I was in the department, one of the members of staff came up to me and said, if you want to do a PhD, you know, you can get a scholarship because where you've ended up in the class uh, and your result, um, you can walk into a scholarship. All of a sudden, I had a way out. So I wasn't thinking about ever doing a PhD. All of a sudden, someone had given me a way out of not having to face up to my parents, not having to face up to my friends, um, thinking that I was a failure. All of a sudden, I had a way out, and I grabbed it with both hands. How naive was I? I didn't even know you were called a doctor at the end of a PhD. I just grabbed hold of this because it was as i say a way of saving face hence then i started on a path of a phd
0: so how did you find the transition into a phd because it is so different from undergraduate isn't it it's so different it
1: it was it was it was pure luck obviously starting a phd not planned um i found it i found it tough um but I, I am driven when I start something. So, you know, when I started the degree, you know, I was struggling with things like mathematics, for example, I had extra classes on maths. I've got any book that I could get hold of. Stroud was always a good book. I don't know. <laughs> the engineers amongst us were no, um, um, so, you know, and I tried to sort of teach myself as well, as much as, as, as going to the classes. So on the PhD, um, I did a PhD with some great supervisors, uh, Ian Burgess and Roger Plank, and it was looking at the behaviour of buildings in fire. Uh, And I was really interested in it. So um, it was developing models, but also looking at the experimental side as well. And I progressed and managed to finish the PhD within the three years um, because I was quite driven to that because I did see this as I need to get back into work. And that might be my friend's uh, family thinking he's still at school. So now I had six years at school. So I was always looking Um, and looking back on it. um, Perhaps I didn't enjoy it as much as I could have done in the moment. I was always anxious about getting to the end and then getting back into, into work. Um, Whereas, my advice now to anyone is enjoy enjoying the moment um and uh you know just make sure you work hard but play hard as well um
0: sorry then you did you, you did come out with your with your phd in, into the world of work which i guess went da- went down well <laughs> you now finished school and you're starting work <laughs> it, it was interesting because
1: i i was still i must i must be honest at the time i, I did actually then just towards the end of my PhD, uh, met my wife, we didn't get married at that time. And actually, we, we we did split after I finished my PhD, but we came back later, later. In. Looked nice. But I was struggling between, if you like, those two worlds, um, and trying to bring the two worlds together, to the extent that actually, towards the end of the PhD, there was a possibility that I was going to go off to Brazil and work in Brazil. And I always asked myself why I didn't do that, because there was the job offer there. I was always trying to look for something, look for something else, look for something else. I wasn't sure what I was looking for. But in the end, I, I took the safe bet and I joined a company called the Steel Construction Institute, which was in Ascot. And uh, this was a, a an engineering company that supports the steel industry. And I worked there for two years and I enjoyed Joined the Steel Construction Institute. You know, why did I leave? It was a small organization, limited in just looking at steel, and uh, I just felt that the opportunities were limited. You know, where would I go uh, from the Steel Construction Institute? And I actually had a, a long talk with the chief executive there about that, and he he said, "Well, you know, actually, in in the area that I was working in, there wasn't there was only two of us working." as experts in that area. So in the end, I decided to leave and I joined the building research establishment. So I moved over to uh, to Watford. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. What a fantastic place to work. Uh, the people were fantastic. Yeah, absolutely loved it. Loved the, um, as I say, loved the people, loved the work, um, really making a difference. And could carry on that research work so coming out of the phd i could carry on that research work at the steel construction institute although limited and then into the building research establishment and it was also there that i was um, doing cpd so you know i was getting a lot of experience standing up in front of practicing engineers uh, presenting courses i used to do a day on my own presenting to practising engineers in the Corps, they would take no prisoners, so you had to be prepared and really you know, know your stuff inside out. Um, but it allowed me to carry on the research side of it, as well as the the, the practical side of it, which which I liked. Um, I'm very happy at, 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 at BRE. Uh, I was there for four and a half years, and I didn't... I wasn't looking to move, and it was interesting because When you look at my experience, and I've just gone through the companies I work for, you could see that, of course, he's only stayed there a couple of years in some of these companies, you know. So four and a half years at BRE, and I'm thinking, I haven't had had an interview for four and a half years. Um, I must be getting a bit rusty. But also, I saw an advert for a professor of structural engineering at UMIST Now thinking, uh, and again, you know, how naive I was as well, thinking, well, okay, where's Manchester then? Um, Oh, yeah, it's up there. Okay, all right. Um, Not thinking I would get the job at all. Absolutely not thinking. And thinking, well, um, actually by that time um, I was married uh, to the owner I met at university. We had one child, uh, Flora, who was one year old. But I thought, no, I'll go for this job. I've just put an uh, an application let's see how far I get and just, you know, test myself, never look back. I mean, I love the research, love the teaching. And I could carry on the consultancy as well. So, you know, I love it. Um, so, you know, going into there and being able to teach as well um, was just absolutely fantastic. And i remember, um, you know, Because I was carrying on the research, all the latest developments were coming into the class. So I remember the the concrete industry flying me out to Spain after the Windsor uh, Tower fire. Um, I went up the building, they they got me up the building. Um, Health and safety was a bit dodgy at those times, but they got me up the building, took all the pictures. The next day I was teaching my students exactly what happened. On what they've seen on the news the night before uh, or two days before, so
0: yes, yes. So, so your career then developed at the university, and you became head of school, and then dean, and then uh, vice president. How did you find that that journey? It must have stretched you in different ways, tested you in different ways.
1: So, obviously, when we uh, when I started at, at UMIST, um, after about two years, the two universities joined. Um, which was great and it it was actually great for me. It was great for all the staff. It was important that those two universities that had complementary strengths came together. Um, And uh, as I say, I I just loved the teaching, the research, uh, the consultancy. Um, I had the opportunity to travel the world as well uh, to conferences, meeting other people. Um, And, you know, I was lucky enough to become sort of a expert in fire engineering. I was an expert witness on the World Trade Center. Um, so I was called into that. At the moment, I'm working on Grenfell, of course. So I'm on the expert panel for governments. As I say, I loved it. And if I was still there, I would still love it. Um, but then, um, the, not the opportunity, it was that they were looking for a new head of school of mechanical aerospace and civil engineering. And I must be honest, I wasn't keen. I, I, I was happy with what I was doing. Um, and it was the staff that asked me to do it. So in the end, I, 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 um, I became the, the head of the School of Mechanical Aerospace and Civil Engineering. Um, the only downside to that was that I had to reduce quite considerably the teaching side of it, um, because you were running quite a large school at that time. There was, what, 80 academics. There was over 200 staff in it. And because of the way that things came up, you couldn't. Rely on being available to do the teaching on a regular basis, so he had to pull back from the teaching, but I kept the research going, and uh, that was important. Um, and uh, yeah, I had a, 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 a spell as head of school, and it was it was interesting to get step up because I remember it quite quite well. And uh, the vice chancellor at the time was Alan Gilbert, um, and I had a lot of time. for Alan Gilbert, I thought he was a great leader, um, very thoughtful. And, um, I went on holiday. Um, I remember, you know, we went with the family and the kids were really quite small and I free, free kids at that time. We went off to Lanzarote, but because of the pressure of being head of school, I promised my wife that I would leave the work phone at home and all the computers at home. So I actually, I mean, it was a Blackberry at the time. So we left it at home. Uh, and we've, went off and i had two weeks and i do recommend this to to people if you can do it um we had two weeks just focused totally on the kids and the and my wife and it was a great holiday came back uh, we landed went home uh, turned this phone off and it just exploded i mean <laughs> it just went off all over the place apparently they were trying to get hold of me but then realized that they couldn't and they were okay about it. but would i go in and see Alan Gilbert, as soon as I'm back, please. Um, So I thought, oh, okay, what have I done? And I was right here thinking, you know, uh, are my days numbered? Um, So I went into Alan Gilbert and um, he said, um, physical engineering and science um, is stepping down um, and uh, is leaving the university. We would like you to take it over as an interim basis and then we'll go through an international search um, of which we would also like you to apply, but we would go for a proper international search. Uh, and I said, yeah, okay. I said, um, I said happy to do that. I said um, on one condition, if that's okay. And he said, yeah. What's that one condition? I said, could you give me the budget now because I knew the faculty was in financial difficulty, and uh, I know that. I, I just really wanted to grab hold of the budget, sort out the finances, put us on a really strong base. He says, "Yeah, of course." Yeah. He says, "You can do it now." And I'm just about going to walk out, and he says, um, "He says, can I say something to?" you? And he says, "I said, yeah, of course." He says, "You're the only person that I know throughout my whole career that's come in, and I've asked them to do a top job, which is the senior team in the um, uh, in the university. Um, big step up." you he says but I think you can you can do it otherwise I wouldn't have asked you to and he says and he says and you haven't asked me anything about your personal circumstances your salary you haven't asked for an increase in money anything and I said no I said I said I said I'll do the job for you and you know if you want me I'll go through the process um, and you know I will apply for the job because I would like the job and then and he was just amazed, he says there, yeah. um, but I think he was just so shocked because most people come in there when the vice chancellor asks you to do a job, they usually say, well, what's in it for me? Whereas I just I just thought this was an opportunity because I was so passionate about the university, so passionate about my colleagues, so passionate about the students that I felt we could do something different, which is why I wanted to start there and then get the finances sorted out um, so that we had that foundation to, 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 to build and to deliver what we were uh, we were going to deliver. So they allowed me to do it as an interim for quite a while, for about six months. And it was an interesting process because, of course, I was trying to drive the faculty forward, but also I had to apply for the job that I was doing at that time. And it was an international search, so it had to go through a headhunter. I just got so much support from the staff um, and all the staff were writing to the vice chancellor saying we all support Colin, you know, we're all behind him, we hope he gets the job, um, which was a real nice, nice feeling.
0: Why do you think that is? I mean, what do you think is about you that others see in you that, that recognise they want you to do these things?
1: I don't know. The only the only thing
0: I would say
1: is being yourself. You know, I, I, I will stop and talk to everyone. Um, you know just being down to earth um talking to people and we're all doing it together and, and making sure that everyone gets the credit for what we do you know it's not um it's not down to one person it's not even down to a couple of people it, everyone within an organization is responsible for um the success of that organization um and I think that, that that that's that's really important. Also, being open to challenge. Well, that's
0: really that's really good to hear. And I'm going to push you forward a little bit because yeah. you're now at Queen Mary um, University of London, which is is aiming to be the most inclusive university of its kind. So tell us about what you're doing to draw the best out of everybody and to give everybody the same. Opportunity that, that you sort of pushed through yourself, but you're making that possible for other people. We do make it comfortable
1: for people to come here from all different backgrounds, all different traditions. The opportunity is here at this university. And if you see my career, to me, education is everything because yes. without that education, Um, that I had going right back to my ONC. I made the mistake at school because I just didn't see it. I just wanted to get out of school, couldn't stand education. But luckily I had that ONC, that HNC opened up the doors, the degree opened up the doors to the PhD, the PhD opened up the doors to something else. So it's always looking at how much more uh, knowledge experience that you can gain which allows you choices in life if you like and those opportunities um, to do what
0: you're passionate about. So thinking about your younger self then what would be the advice you'd give you'd give him?
1: Oh, I think the obvious one is um, is all about going back to school. Education is key I'm afraid it's uh, and I would keep on about that. Uh, I know when you're 14, 15, you don't see it. I didn't see it. Um, you know, you think there's more to uh, to life than, you know, school's boring. Um, you don't really want to engage too much. You would rather be on your PS, your Xbox, playing football, chasing girls, partying as you get a little bit older. Um, get the balance right, um, is my advice. Um, and don't lose the education. Um, because if you keep on with that education, even if you're finding it difficult, and we all find it difficult, just try and keep on as much as you can with the uh, education, because it just gives you so many choices and opportunities. Um, I always say to our students here, you know, a, a degree here, is a passport to travel. You can go and work anywhere all over the world. um, And it is a stepping stone to fulfilling your dreams of what you want to do. If you give up on school, then unless you find another way back through on the education, the door starts slamming very quickly. Um, And that's my advice. But, you know, looking back at myself at 14, would I have taken that advice? and not play so much football and stop chasing girls and concentrate a bit more at school. Probably not, I'm afraid, but I would still try and keep on saying it. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But I think the wonderful thing in the role you're in now, you, your background, your dyslexia, but also your drive um, to be the best you can be is actually a gift to all those people who's, who, you know, you're creating opportunity for them which I think is, is, is just wonderful, you know? So Colin, thanks so much for your time and your openness and and honesty about your journey. It's just really, it's lovely to hear, you know, how that the journey that you've been on and pushed through you, you're making it easier for others to do what you've done. So thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks. If you've enjoyed this podcast, To help others enjoy it too, please subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. And don't forget to rate and review. Thank you.